Hey guys, welcome to the 80th installment of the Ronin Rabbit, the Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and be aware there are spoilers. Now, if you do intend to send feedback, there are a variety of ways to get it to me, to bring it to my notice. On Twitter, you can tweet Teal Productions. The Ronin Rabbit has a Google Plus page where you can leave comments. I post on Facebook on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo Facebook page. BigTimeNoise.com slash Ronin Rabbit is the website. And UsagiPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. And the one that was used by Darren and Ruth Sutherland for an email that I will read a little later in the show. Usagi Ojimbo Volume 3, the Dark Horse Volume, Issue 7. Uh, is the book I'm looking at today. Cover dated November 1996. The story is entitled The Withered Field. Uh, Something I realize that I haven't been doing is giving credit to creators. Um, This is written and illustrated by Stan Sakai, created by Mr. Sakai. Color separations are by Tom Luth, and I can only assume that the color separations are for the cover, Um, as the interior is not in color, which is one of the cool things about these books. Publication design, Julie Gassaway, and editor, uh, whatever. I don't get into the editor. I don't think they have much to do with the product, but that's just a personal opinion. So, two main um, protagonists that we're going to keep track of this issue, Maimoto Usagi, who, of course, uh, but also Nakamura Koji, who we are introduced to, and introduced in such a way that he more than likely will be back um, at, a, at a later time. And I kind of look forward to that, because the way the story leaves it, um, it could be an interesting second appearance by um, Mr. Master Samurai Koji, however you want to refer to him. The book opens nine panels on this one page of uh, perhaps what appears to be some sort of ritual, Uh, On first reading, I was not familiar, so I wasn't aware what was going on. You can obviously tell something is, because there are movement lines, and and you can see from panel to panel. And then in the first panel of the next page, Usagi is in attendance at a duel. Uh, Duel appears to be indoors, um, perhaps at some sort of competition or at a school, something like that. And Usagi is thinking his Rashiki... Mr. Sakai tells us pre-fight etiquette is impeccable. So that's what we have with the first nine panels of the story is a ritual that warriors, um, swordsmen, duelists, as you will, go through prior to taking the stance before the actual action begins. Uh, We see two facing off. Uh, You can't necessarily tell anything about them other than um, perhaps they are both cats. One might be a cat and the other maybe a dog or a bear. Um, But they're ready. Standing with what appear to be Boken or Bokuto, uh, depending on how you want to say it, the uh, wooden, uh, solid wood practice swords that you'll see. So this is a test of skill and not a true duel to the death Um, We can tell right off the bat. The two duelists stand uh, focusing their chi 
um, to to the extent that the that that one of them we will later find out that he is tied to the building that they're in, which turns out to be the Surodoi School. Breaks uh, the the focus and the attention uh, gets to that point where he is ready to atta- attack as he's focusing his his chi and he does uh, quickly being dispatched. Who we will come to find out is Nakamura Koji, our other main uh, principal of the Dramatas Personae in the story. He then Koji um, issues the challenge to. Master Ueno, who apparently is the master over the school where he is at here, the Suradoi, Suradoi School of Swordsmanship. Apparently, it's a, it's a sword school. That's why they're using those particular weapons. Um, instructor Ishii, who is one of the instructors, but not one of the true students of the school, um, tells. Koji that he is beneath Master Ueno and that that he will do no such thing. You have proven nothing um, beneath the master's notice. So he is working very hard to to uphold his his master's image to protect his master. Nonetheless, Koji says very well. Um, I'll let everyone know that I have defeated the Suradoi School of Swordsmanship thus besmirching their honor, Ishii immediately says, don't, you know, don't be hasty, I'll get in touch with Master Ueno, he's not here right now, and we will see what we can do to accommodate your your request. Kind of attempting to uh, downplay everything that's going on, chill, chill things out a little bit. We see Koji toss his boken aside, and he stalks out of the school, while Ichi is talking to one of the lesser students uh, for nefarious reasons, we find out a little bit later on. Usagi leaves as well, uh, perhaps following Koji, perhaps knowingly um, going in the same direction. And by, by knowingly, I mean they both have the same goal in mind, to head out of town, perhaps to go to a certain other location. They have not spoken as far as we know. As he's walking along, a uh, clasp on his waraji breaks his sandal. Um, so Yogi stops. Koji stops. Yogi? I'm sorry. Koji stops. Slightly distracted there for a moment. And as he sits to repair his sandal, Usagi comes upon him now as he has continued walking. And they talk. Uh, introductions are made. Usagi apparently was at the school at that time, to do the same thing that Koji was. He was going to uh, test his skill. But having there, there having been one, uh, quote-unquote, test already, Usagi decided to, to move on. Koji's telling him his story about um, how... Uh, the story of what has led him up to challenging the school, basically. It's, it's a longer story than just the school itself. We see that he was... A, um, a retainer of Lord Hikiji, who was challenged by a swordsman that had rejected all traditional forms of school, but had come to challenge 
those in Hikichi's court just as Koji had just challenged the Surado'i school. Uh, he fought this challenger three times and lost all three times. Uh, with that type of defeat on his mind, he left to go um, focus to better prepare himself because he, he was just uh, taught that he was not who or what he thought he was. Um, he tells Usagi that he has gone on a warrior pilgrimage, which um, tr- triggered something in my head. I, the Japanese term was not used, so it took me a second to look it up, but Mushishugyo is the is the Japanese term most frequently associated with warrior pilgrimage, if it's not a direct translation. And that comes into play because it was used very often in Lone Wolf and Cub, and that's why it was familiar to me. Lone Wolf and Cub, absolute best manga ever written, in my uh, pitiful, shall we say, opinion. It's, it's an awesome book. I enjoy it very much. Actually, I'm getting ready to sit down and reread it. I haven't read it in a couple years. Anyways, so he is out. Koji is retraining, refocusing himself, testing himself, much as the um, uh, historical slash actual figure of Miyamoto Musashi, probably the most famous swordsman that went on a warrior's pilgrimage, um, a winner of 40-some personal duels. He kind of holds the world record for that, if if that kind of a record is really kept. Um, I don't believe, and, and I'm a little fuzzy with this, I don't believe he ever lost. I believe he ended up dying of old age. Um, he defeated everyone that he encountered. Maimoto Musashi did. Um, and oddly enough, or not oddly enough, that is a partial name for our protagonist in these books, Maimoto Usagi. So, there's the connection. So they talk about things. The sandal gets fixed. Koji decides to continue on his journey. says, I'm staying at a nearby temple. It's just you know up this way. If you would like to accompany me, we can continue our, our visit. And as they're proceeding, we see a group of men now start running through the town. You would assume that they are after one or the other, Koji or uh, Usagi, uh, perhaps both. They round the bend in the street and are confronted, Koji and Usagi, by 16 swordsmen, all of which appear to be from the Surodo'i school of swordsmanship and have come to reclaim their honor by killing these two, actually just one, they were after Koji, but Usagi has gotten caught up in it, um, by defeating him 16 to 1, they will regain the honor for their school. I think that's what they're trying to do. I've, I've never quite understood this. Uh, this happens a lot in um, movies that I see as well, where a school will be um, disrespected, and the entire student body of the school turns out to even the score against the one dude, or the one chick, as it may be. And I've always thought, well, you know, that kind of strikes me as dishonorable, regardless of how the original fight went. You know, even if that person that defeated the representative of the school did so cheating, turning out in mass to defeat one person just doesn't, you know, what are you going to do other than just killing the person so they never do anything like that again? But it's like, well, if 
you have lost honor, and word gets out that that's how you redeem some of your honor. Is that really what you did? Did you really get any points back for that because you ganged up, you know, 16 to 1 and, and did manage to kill the dude? I don't know. Even more so if, say, some of your numbers died. You know, yeah, we got our honor back, but only 12 of us came back, so we finally beat him. You know, so I'm, I'm not sure that thought process, that reasoning. Perhaps because I don't completely understand, you know, what what, what they're trying to accomplish there. But they, I've, I've seen that frequently. Anyways, I'm sorry. They attack. Um, things really don't go for these students' uh, way. They are, after all, just students. Usagi is uh, far from a student, and Koji is perhaps even farther from being a student. Both of these guys could be instructors, you know, in schools of their discipline. So they kill all 16 of these guys and continue on their way to the temple where Koji is staying to leave the dead students there. Because if they go to try to get help, uh, try to make an official report, anything that, how's it going to look? You know, it's going to be very, very difficult to explain. Koji really doesn't want to get involved in anything like that. And in retrospect, Usagi really doesn't either. He may not be the most welcome person in places that he goes, if not flat out hunted. So he he tries to keep as low a profile as possible also, officially a low profile. We've seen in the book that his profile is anything but low. So we cut back to the school where Master Ureno has uh, returned from his travels, speaking to his student uh, Ishii, finds out what has happened, just lambastes him, telling him what, what a foolish errand it was, particularly since all of the students died. He will go find Koji, and he, Ueno, will take care of this himself, leaving Ishii here in such dishonor that he he kills himself. Um, so either it is uh, seppuku that is portrayed here, one, two, three, four, five panels, or just simply an act of uh, jigai, I believe is how it's pronounced, just suicide. I'm not sure. It's not very ritualistic. There's no second that, you know, It's he, he just kills himself. So I'm not sure that that would um, really qualify as the ritual uh, that seppuku is typically supposed to be. Anyone out there that is listening that can, you know, drop me a quick line and let me know if, if there is a difference or what the differences are, I, I would be interested in, in knowing that. Uh, Jigai and seppuku or Harikari, uh, as Westerners are want to identify it as. What, is there really a difference? Is the situation different? Seppuku, I, I believe, is more realistic. Uh, realistic, excuse me. Um, ritualistic. So, yeah, anybody out there, let me know. So, Ueno rides through town, uh, encounters a police official uh, who is overseeing the scene of the dead students and recognizes Ueno and recognizes the pile of dead students and says, you know, hey, these are your guys. Um, I think it's cool that we know right away that this is a police official because he is seen brandishing his jeet as his uh, symbol of power. Don't really know what level this is. Could be a magistrate, could be just a higher level police person law enforcement official, but I like that now we are given, uh, we've been given enough knowledge to know that that's what is being displayed here. That's kind of cool. 
Uh, we catch up with Koji and Usagi as they are continuing out of town to the temple. Uh, Usagi now is getting into a little bit of his story and drops the name of his sensei, Katsuichi. And apparently Koji kind of recognizes that name, but then tries to cover it up by uh, talking about a dried field. Winter will be upon us soon. Such is life, eh? Just out of nowhere. Um, But they're not able to continue that portion of the conversation because Ueno comes upon them, challenges Koji. So we now uh, step into a field Usagi is standing under a nice big tree in the shade to watch uh, these two men, and I didn't look this up, and I should have, uh, have pulled up and secured with the straps the sleeves of their uh, robes, indicating that they're about to get serious here. Uh, They're using actual swords. So, again, we have a face-off, but not the momentary, or not momentary, but the but the focusing of the chi as we saw in the school. Uh, here we see them get right into it, yelling, charging at each other, passing each other with the uh, having uh, delivered a stroke of some sort, and then the freezing moment, and then somebody succumbs to the injury. Uh, and we see that it is Ueno who has been killed by Koji. Usagi runs up, checks, uh, tells Koji, you know, that was amazing, your skill. Koji interrupts him and says, I'm not done yet, I have one more fight with you. You can hear the music if it it were a movie and everything. Because, as it turns out, Katsuichi, Usagi's sensei, was the man of uh, odd skill uh, that beat Koji three consecutive duels. And so now he wants to test his medal against whatever style Katsuichi has because being his student, he has passed that style on to Usagi. And we see a mention here that Koji noticed similarities of the style when he and Usagi were fighting the Surudoi Surudoi Right, Suru Doi school students back in town. He noticed Usagi uh, bared a resemblance in technique to this wandering uh, Ronin, wandering swordsman that he had fought. So he challenges Usagi. They face off now in the field. Um, we see them standing across from each other. Interesting four panel spread here at the bottom of the page. Usagi. Uh, sweat running down his brow, then a bird flying, calling, and then Koji with his sword held, and then a view of the mountains. So it, it's kind of uh, this, I believe, is another uh, situation where they are both focusing their chi uh, so much. It's such a lengthy process that it's interspersed with these other uh, takes of what is going on. When when they have summoned the power that they need, the energy that they need. They charge at each other, yell. Uh, We have a a page full of, full of, wow, sorry, full of thrusts and parries, very evenly matched, until finally a strap or the the strap or another strap on the Waraji worn by Koji breaks, 
takes his focus away for a moment. Usagi presses the attack, attempts to deliver the killing blow, but Koji uses the two-palm, two open, open-hand, two-palm catching of the sword, which, which I know you've seen over, overhead as the felling slice is coming down, twists the sword, wrenching it out of Usagi's hand and throwing him off to the side. Both men then um, draw the wakasashi to continue. However, by the time Usagi is able to do so, Koji is standing over him, sword drawn at his face. Tells him to get up. Don't draw your sword, get up. So Usagi gets up. Koji Jin then sheaths his sword, retrieves his lost sword, tells Usagi a fine duel. But I can't let you die yet. I need you to take a message to your former teacher. I look forward to a rematch with him. Tell him I will be waiting at the Kintanoji Temple a year from this day. Abeo, which Mr. Sakai tells us means so long. And so, um, as I said, I, I look forward to the return of Koji at some point now. Um, hopefully to see a duel with Katsuchi. Um, who knows? I believe that he to a large extent, has retired from that life. We shall see. Um, So in this, um, we were introduced to the terms reshiki, which is the pre-fight etiquette, uh, the ritualistic preparing of oneself for the duel. Uh, Waraji, which is the sandal. Abeo, which we have seen before, which means so long. Um, Mentioning of the warrior's pilgrimage, which I back-translated to mushashugyo. Hopefully that was correct. We see that they used the boken at the beginning of the story, and then I had a question, oh, and someone was brandishing the jit. I had a question about jigai, whether that means suicide, first of all, and whether the student's uh, dispatching of himself would qualify as that. Later in the back of the book, we see that uh, Mr. Sakai, I believe is who pens this first part, says, uh, Challenging an established fencing school was a common practice for the Shugyosha, student warrior, the samurai who went on the road seeking to hone their skills rather than serve a lord. Miyamoto Musashi did it a number of times, the most famous of which, his duel with the Yoshioka school, inspired the scene at the beginning of The Withered Field. So that was uh, where that was taken from. I heavily condensed the pre-fight etiquette ritual because of space. But for a more detailed depiction, I refer you to The Deity and the Sword by Rusuke Otake. Another fine book is Flashing Steel by Shimabu Kuro and Pelman. Thank you, Chuck Arnold, for giving it to me. Both books contain lots of photographs and are excellent references. I also recommend the movies Tenge Senjin and Inakagi's Duel at Ichiyoji Temple, the second part of his Samurai Trilogy, which has some nice sequences of duels in a school. None of the films I have seen, um, so I look forward to potentially finding those and looking those up. Uh, Speaking of which, I have recently been watching the uh, Zatoichi movies because there's a podcast out there where they speak of each movie, um, critiquing it in essence, in order. And I believe they just released the ninth or tenth episode, 
and I have finished seven, so I need to catch up. But that's that's been a, another cool podcast out there for those of you that may be interested. All right, I have a letter here from Darren Sutherland, it turns out. He says, Ruth and I listened to your latest Ronin Rabbit episode yesterday, and that reminded me that I forgot to write you when we listened to the previous episode a week or so ago. Thank you so much for the kind words you shared about me, Ruth, and our podcast. That really meant the world to us, especially coming from someone whose opinion we value and someone who has become a great friend. A sincere thank you. Thank you for saying that, Darren, Ruth. I, I, I really appreciate that, guys. Uh, we feel the same about you and Terry and look forward to the opportunity to see you again at a con next year. We'll definitely be at Heroes Con again, so if you are back there, be sure to let us know. Uh, yes, we will more than likely be back because just the other day, this week, we bought three-day tickets for both of us. So, hoorah. And a big thank you for the additional information about mysteries set in Japan. I immediately jotted the information down. I picked up Rashomon Gate and the Dragon Scroll by I.J. Parker. It appears that while Rashomon Gate was published first in the U.S., the Dragon Scroll was actually published first in the author's home country of Germany. Apparently, the U.S. publisher got the first three or four books out of sequence when publishing them here, so I haven't decided which I'll read first. Plus, I ordered the first book from Susan Spahn, but haven't received it yet. After your early episode discussing mysteries, we read The Shinju by Laura Jo Rowland and really liked it. We've now passed our copy on to Ruth's father to read, and we're looking forward to reading these other books as well. Thanks again for everything, and have a great day, Darren. Cool beans. Thank you for the feedback. Uh, Darren, Ruth, I, I appreciate it, guys. Well, I'm glad that um, perhaps from listening to the show that you've been introduced to some prose series that uh, that you'll enjoy, hopefully, and, and will expand you know, your, your desire for knowledge in the Edo ish uh, period of japan that i believe they all represent i believe i'm not 100 percent sure there so all right guys that's everything for this episode next show will be episode eight the dark horse usagi volume volume three i will talk to you guys then ciao the ronin rabbit podcast is a teal production and as such is licensed under a creative commons attribution Non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.